0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, and this is so fun to host this show with you.
0: I know, you just guzzled your first cup of coffee for the day, so he has a smile on his face like always. The sun is shining here in Minnesota. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And we also have an incredible guest who is
2: joining us as well.
1: I'll introduce him in just a second but we just want to say welcome to pastor rod carlson how are you today
2: i'm doing great i'm doing great i agree the sun's out here in minnesota so it's really nice
1: (laughs) (laughs) well for those of you who might not have been acquainted yet pastor rod carlson and his wife melody are the senior pastors at oak hills church in egan minnesota the crazy thing is they planted this church 30 years ago at the time Mm -hmm. of recording this episode um, pastor Rod is our pastor. He's been a mentor to me for a number of years. We've had a lot of, like I mentioned, cups of coffee. I know that uh, <laughs> our guest <laughs> this morning is Cheers. cheersing to a cup of coffee and Pastor Rod has his doctorate degree focused his dissertation efforts on preaching to the unchurched. So we really want to dive into a couple of his sweet spots, which are preaching, mm-hmm. preaching to the unchurched, and also um, church planting. And really excited. But Pastor Rob, could you just maybe for the guest, the listener, would you be willing to share some of your story of life, journey of leadership, faith, and and marriage and ministry with us today?
2: So Josiah, you mentioned church Plant that we planted the church. I grew up in a church plant. Just uh, just a few years before I was born, my parents joined in a church plant called Bloomington Assembly of God Church with a pastor named Arvid Kingsrider. So I was born into that. I think it was kind of in my blood. I didn't know it that much until really we started a church. But like a lot of kids, you know, thankfully my parents were real Christians, so um, they lived their faith at home. So that's the main thing. But I also had a really great church and pastor and had that experience. So like a lot of kids, you know, I gave my life to Christ uh, sincerely and authentically at a very young age. And um, at a young age, felt the call into ministry, ended up at North Central University here in Minneapolis. And at age 20 was off into ministry. And I spent the first uh, 15 years in full-time ministry uh, working with youth and young adults, which uh, some some of the finest memories that I have and uh, I still smile. I just, again, received an email from Jennifer, who was part of one of our groups uh, years ago, and it's always fun to get those. And finally, you know, you ask about leadership. Um, and, of course, this all of this is my wife, Melody, and I, who we did this together. Um, but I, I, I not only grew up under a great pastor, but I served under three really excellent, leaders in three different churches. And so in terms of leadership, uh, past my parents, I would say that those pastors impacted my leadership uh, attitude and mentality. And, uh, and I'm really thankful for those mentors in my life.
1: That's amazing, Pastor Rada. I know our paths crossed before. I can even remember it because um, I, I can relate with what you just said, and maybe the listener can too, some of my earliest mem- memories, like my parents met at Bloomington Assembly of God, and then about a year into Oak Hills Church, they joined the church plant that you and Melody launched and pastored. Yep, that's right. so, so, some of my earliest memories—I always tell you this—but I would sneak out of um, Space Cubs, the kids <laughs> ministry, and I would go to where the saxophone was playing in in church, and I had never heard a saxophone before. It was part of worship, and met in the school, and it was just. Um, like I ended up playing the saxophone later in life because I remember that memory marked me and all that to say, like, I think that church planting is something that we want to pick your brain about and go just maybe one layer deeper about. And like, you have some questions about that.
0: Yeah. So I would just ask you, Pastor Rob, I know that you're passionate about reaching the unchurched and you're passionate about church planting, obviously because you've done it, but what initially like spurred on that planting of the church with you and your wife they almost 30 years ago
2: yeah so um uh, I, I'm going to go back to 1989 Melody and I were in in Orlando Florida we were at a very large church at that time it was large 5,000 now it's I don't know I think that's medium size now but anyway uh and um we were working with young adults and loved it um however we where the Lord was kind of speaking to our hearts about about the church, about about the church becoming so big with so many programs, and it seemed like it was just Christians who were there. And we didn't. I'm, I I don't want to make any judgments. This was happening in me. You know, did I know any unchurched people? Did I? Did it was like we had we had in that church like a a, Christ, a list of Christian business people, and and different places, and we'd hand that out every year. And I, I remember thinking. I wonder if we should be going to non-Christian business people and and those kinds of things. And this was happening in our heart. One of my leaders came up to me uh, and and handed me a book. It was called, um, it was by Wayne Jacobson, and it was called The Naked Church. He was a pastor. It's still in print, believe it or not. But anyway, he handed this to me and said, hey, Pastor Rod, read this. This thing really had an impact on my life. And the the title comes from, you know, that Hans Christian Andersen story, of The Emperor Has No Clothes. And, yeah. and so somebody convinced him to, to like, you know, swindlers came in, convinced him that they were going to make the most beautiful and only cool people could see the clothes. And so nobody wanted to say that they didn't see him without any clothes. On. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one day he's parading through town and a little kid said, the emperor has no clothes. And and so wow. he, he was kind of using this to say, I think we need to say maybe the church has no clothes. I, I, I We got to just admit we're missing it. And this really spoke to me. And um, I think, you know, churches go through this time again and again. This isn't anything new, but I think for me, it was a call to start a church that, um, you know, was, was with the unchurched in mind more, at least more strategically with the unchurched in mind. And that really got a hold of my heart. We got a call at that time. And uh, it was a call to come back to this church that my parents had helped to start. And it was this request. Would you want to move back home to Minnesota? Would you want to start a church? We want to start a church in Egan, Minnesota. And of course, our hearts, we prayed about that and, and came. And that passion for the unchurch was deep in our heart.
1: It's amazing. And clearly, like one of the things that I think God gives leaders is they can maybe see things prophetically in advance. Like they get a a picture of the future of what could be, maybe what they feel should be. And it's called vision of just like what they see and what they believe in their heart is the direction to lead people in. And Mm -hmm. that's so important, shepherding people Mm -hmm. and pastoring. And so can you just talk for a second about maybe the vision of, I know you referenced it, but what would you say to someone who asked, what's the vision of Oak Hills Church?
2: So many of your listeners are familiar with Willow Creek Church, and um, Willow Creek had a mission statement that we stole, but we asked permission, and they said we could use it. So um, we exist to turn unchurched people into fully devoted followers of Christ. I've talked about that over the years so many times, and I won't talk about it, but um, really the two key things are unchurched. And of course, we know there are unchurched people who are Christians, and we know there are Christians who go to church, <laughs> but right. I wanted to keep that in front of us because we so easily, I think, forget about the people that drive by all the time and just don't give a rip about what's happening in our churches. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wanted to keep that. And then fully devoted is the other part, which is, okay, so, and um, it's like one time somebody was talking to Bill Hybels, and he was, and they said, Mr. Hybels, it sounds like you're trying to turn um, atheists into missionaries. And he said, that's exactly what we're trying to do. And you know what? You guys know this. That is one of the hardest things to do. But anyway, so that's the vision. Um, Lately, I've been using the word outsider more. You know, in Luke chapter five, of course, I learned from the early times at Willow Creek that really influenced us in trying to reach the unchurched. But in in Luke five, you know, Matthew's having this party, and um, th- and all the religious people are saying, why are you having a party with all these tax collectors and sinners? And in the in Eugene Peterson's version, you know, he's, uh, Jesus says, well, who, who needs a who needs a doctor, you know? Uh, but he says, I've come to reach the outsider, not the insider. Mm-hmm. and I, I would say that 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 really is our our passion um i will tell you it's been really difficult to try to reach those folks for a number of reasons but the big picture of the last 29 years that i've tried to say is let's not forget the outsider right. and let's try to at least strategically think about them <laughs> and not ignore them so that that's yeah
0: yeah. Well, we know that you're also passionate about seeing the different generations in the church. Like you were leading youth and young adults. You've led an entire church for almost 30 years. So you're seeing different ages from the first day they're born to maybe the last breath of some of the members that have been attending your church. And we know the brevity of life is important. We know that every age group is important. Right. And if there's still breath in your lungs, like you, have, you still have something to offer. So, Pastor Rod, I would just ask you can you just talk about your thoughts about? the importance of involving the next generation in the church and I think so many of our listeners hear this of like oh the the next generation is you know they're the ones that are going to be next in charge and it's like well they're kind of not they're the next generation quote unquote but they're also the now generation how how would you say that that is important and you just expound upon that for a minute
2: so I'm going to reference a guy that probably everybody knows Timothy Keller um and I recently was watching, uh, I, I don't know what, I'm 64, so I need to know these names. But I think it was a podcast or a something. I was watching it. Anyway, he was being interviewed. And uh, he started a church, of course, in Manhattan and um, had really effective to church people. But he said he he was talking about, and I'm going to get to, back to your uh, question, Micah, but I just want to reference this. So he talked about how there are four kind of pillars. I, I'm I'm paraphrasing what he said. So it might not be exactly, but he said there are kind of four pillars of biblical truths, biblical sexuality, okay? Uh, The sanctity of life, taking care of the poor Mm -hmm. and racial and gender equality. Those are, and he said, we live in a culture today where when it comes to Christians, a certain group of Christians have two favorites and the other set of Christians have their two favorites. And he said, so evangelical churches tend to really like sanctity of life and biblical sexuality, but they ignore the other two. Mm. And then the more liberal churches, if you want to call them that, they love, you know, racial equity and, and, they, and the whole thing about taking care of the poor. And his whole point was all four, all four are important. So now when you talk about the next generation, I think the next generation are tuning into, at least the evangelicals, they're tuning into those other two. And they're and they're saying these are important, and maybe my generation is kind of no 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 they're not that important when in fact they are all equally important mm-hmm. to God. And some of my research I did for you mentioned my thesis, but there was a, a, a girl who um, a young lady sorry, uh, Rachel Held Evans who recently passed passed away, and um, she she wrote something if I can find it. Yes, she she people asked her this is maybe 10 years ago, but they said, why are, why are evangelical young people leaving the church? And she grew up in an evangelical church. And she said, um, because we want to ask questions, we want to doubt, we want to talk about tough and relevant topics. And a lot of times our leaders won't let us do that. And, and so I think when you talk about, um, involving the next generation, I think that, um, it's one thing to have events for, you know, to have a, a, a vibrant ministry like you guys had. And, uh, you know, at your church where you guys were a really vibrant ministry, I know I would have called our ministry six. We had hundreds of kids come and we went to two nights. Anyway, we had a, a what you would have considered a vibrant young adult ministry. And I think young adult ministry is tough. I know yeah. we continue to really... our. Our youth pastor, Matt, has done some really creative things with young adults, and they've been really successful. Um, and we keep reaching out to, to young adults in our church. It is a tough, tough age to get together. But here's the thing. I think more than program, it's attitude. I think if if the young adults felt the church had an attitude of talking about it, like, no, let's instead of trying to indoctrinate you, let's investigate it. And that, I think, is um. I hope this is answering your question, Micah. Oh totally. Uh, I think that I think it's an attitude.
1: Totally. I love what you said, Pastor Rabbit. More importantly than programs, it matters people's attitude and really the leaders' attitude. Are we right. open-minded to, to have conversations? I love what Amy Stanley said. Micah shared this quote with me that um, asking God a question is different than questioning God. Mm-hmm. And and just having that distinction and not being afraid as a leader to recognize, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I want to grow in my knowledge, but I, I'm limited and I have limits when it comes to education and knowledge and, and even, you know, the questions that I've asked. And it's hard to leave people where you haven't been or questions that you haven't been willing to confront. And we also like to ask, you know, senior pastors of churches who come on young adults today, why they believe that the faith of the next generation is vital is important like that it's important to pass on and to to carry on for the not only the survival of the church but the saving of souls like what would you say to that
2: well i don't know where i heard this so but i heard someone recently said to their church worker. I don't know. It might have been. I have no idea. But somebody said to their church, we're just one generation away from losing our church. Okay, so I don't know the context of that. So I don't know exactly what that pastor meant. I don't even know who said it, but I I can get it on the one hand. I get it on the other hand. I think that it's it's naive to say that if you're talking about Big C, (laughs) because when you think about big C church for 2000 years, we're not one generation away from losing the church, please. We don't, we don't know church history. So it might've been talking about the denomination. We're one generation away from losing it. But you know what, if you think about churches, denominations rise and fall and movements throughout the past 2000 years. So I'm not sure we need to be that concerned about our particular movements. Doesn't mean we need to all be independents. I think there's great strength in. Being in groups that you know you have common theology, you have accountability, uh, you have you can do missions together. I mean, there's great strength in in that, so I'm not saying that they're unimportant, but I think I think that, um, I think what we have to be most concerned about is sharing an authentic faith. (laughs) Let's not worry about the church, (laughs) let's share an authentic real faith with the next generation and let the rest take care of itself. You know, my daughter-in-law is a Lutheran pastor. Her dad's a pastor. She grew up in ELCA. She's an ELCA pastor. Um, and a lot of people think, well, that's such a liberal denomination, et cetera, et cetera. She's, she feels called to that denomination and all of that. But she told me a couple of years ago, she said, um, you know, I'm not sure if my denomination is going to even exist. By the time I end my career. And, um, but again, I, I don't, I don't know that that should be our biggest concern. Um, so again, I'll stop there, but those are some thoughts.
1: That's huge because I guess our passion, even with this podcast is talking about reaching young adults in our world today and having conversations and, you know, really the emphasis of even that question is like, Talking about the faith of the next generation mm-hmm. carrying on, we just feel like our burden is to see the next generation know and see and taste the goodness of God mm-hmm. in the land of the living. And to see, you know, our daughter come to know Jesus personally and to mm-hmm. love his presence, to understand his word and to be able to ask questions and understand and interpret life through the lens of Jesus. Yeah. And so I agree that it's it's vital and important.
0: And I think it's also important to recognize that everybody is on their own personal faith journey, if you will say it that way. Like Everybody is trying to discover and uncover truth, and they're willing to look in places that are unfortunately feeding them not truth. (laughs) I think it's the church's job to rise up to those occasions and offer those spaces of questions that can be answered to tackle the hard topics and to not even always answer the question, but just pose The importance of maybe if it's a side or another side or just the importance of the the facts and the details versus the opinions and the feelings and emotions that get so wrapped up in that. So we know that we lead a lot of young adults who have left the church, who are looking for a church to get involved after they've maybe moved away from the state in which they were raised. They're, you know, 25 years old. They're Like, I'm getting the heck out of here. And then three, four years later, they realize, wow, I moved down to Colorado or Texas or Arizona, and I didn't get plugged in with a church. I'm working 60 to 70 hours a week. I don't have a social life. I haven't met any friends. I'm going back home. And then they come back home and maybe it's a church that they left. And they're like, I don't know the leadership. That pastor is not there. I can still consider them my pastor. So it's like all these different tensions in the next generation. And I would say people maybe even in their mid to late thirties are experiencing this too, maybe more on a family level than an individual personal level, if they're married and, you know, in that season, Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: Pastor Rod, I remember stepping into your classroom at North Central University. You were the professor of this course. And for whatever reason, I remember going downstairs, it was a night class, I believe on Monday nights and I sat down and I thought it was a hermeneutics class and here it's a homiletics class. I'm like, am I in the right class? And I'm like, do I know the difference between homiletics and homiletics? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I sat through it. I'm like, no, I'm enrolled in the right class. And I just remember you being a pastor and a professor just being so transparent and faith-filled and level-headed when it came to the word of God, the will of God, and how to tackle hard questions. I mean, you had some individuals coming to your church with uh, hidden agendas for wrong reasons to kind of ruffle the church's feathers in some way. And you brought us in um, not detail by detail, but in a situation in the scenario of like, I'm tackling things that I never thought I would ever have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I think the cool part is that you also shared that you were willing to invite people to your church to critique your sermons. And we believe in a very critical world right now. And that is a very brave and bold move to make. I would really cry if I read some of the comments. I'd be like, you stand on your one foot too much. You put your hand in your pockets. You say, I'm a lot. You don't make good eye contact, whatever they could criticize. And I would just love for you just to share what made you choose that um, to be maybe the main portion of your dissertation and can you share the story about having unchurched people come to your church to sit through a sermon and get to critique you and then you get to read the feedback
2: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so my thesis was called preaching effectively to the unchurched and um, by the way I just if anyone's interested <laughs> I just looked at if you just go preaching effectively the unchurched Rodney Reed Carlson uh, it'll go to Luther Seminary, and uh, if you're interested, you can download it. And it's uh, 803 people have downloaded it since 2016. So, I'm very, very, I'm an extremely popular person. But um, <laughs> uh, so I mentioned our vision for Oak Hills Church was the unchurched, and there are two things that I, you know, thought about. You know, one of the things that I we did early on was like we talked about like unchurched as if they were like this homogenized group, you know, like. Unchurched people think this way, mm-hmm. they think A, B, C, D. And of course, all unchurched people are different. And then I'd never been unchurched. So why was I the expert? You know, I, I, how could I talk about it? And so that was one thing. But then really toward, you know, then you're dealing with how do you preach? If you want unchurched people to come, how do you preach to that group, especially if there are church people or a longtime Christian people there? And so I began to think about my own preaching ability or skill, like how, how skillful am I at preaching, but then preaching in a way that uh, unchurched people can understand. So, as I mentioned earlier, you know our vision was, and I'm gonna to get to the specifics, Micah, but um, you know it's, our vision was really hard. First of all, unchurched people, one of the things we learned, they don't wanna come. The reason people don't come to church is they don't wanna to come to church. So <laughs> we had this vision. We're going to reach unchurched people. None of them want to come. Mm -hmm. So that sounds easy, but it's really hard. And then, you know, especially now, 30 years later, there are less people, there are more people not attending church than there were 30 years ago. Right. Right. The truth. Um, There are more people today with less biblical knowledge um, become biblically, you know, ignorant, if you will, or illiterate. And, and um, if they, Do come then, how do you reach them? So back to your question. So what I did, this is back in 2016. I um yeah, we we I had to do this specifically. What I did is I picked three sermons. And I'll just try to give you this really quick. I picked three sermons in the spring of 2016. We did, and we were gonna have people evaluate it three ways. One, we we asked our people to invite their unchurched friends to watch it online. So those three sermons, each time I had, there were 45 different people who did it. But each time there were about 20 to 25 people watched it online, filled out a survey. We found 12 people who actually would come to church those three Sundays. And they were unchurched. Four of them were friends of ours. Two were friends of my kids. And then people in our church. We just asked. Just ask them if they would come. They came. I couldn't believe it. They came. They sat through the service. Then they had lunch with me. And then we sat down with them and I, they had filled out a little survey questions and we just talked it through. Then the last part of the research, I asked three friends of mine to just do the same thing, but it was like one-on-one, <clears throat> excuse me. So my, my physician, who's an unchurched guy, he came. My dentist, who's an unchurched guy. <laughs> you know, when you get older, you know these guys. So I asked them if they'd come. And then uh, the third one was a barista that I knew for a long time at a coffee shop. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Anyway, so then I had these meetings where they just came, they listened and afterward. And I had them fill out the these uh, surveys and these seven questions. And it was amazing what I learned. And I, I don't know where you want me to go with that. I can talk about a few individual things. I, could, I mean, it was amazing to hear them talk. About that sermon, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, you want me to give some story? What do you think would help be helpful here? I, yeah, you know, share
0: a story. Like, what was mo- like a defining moment in that process? Maybe for you and your character, or maybe that challenge your approach to be like, oh my gosh, like I've been missing the mark for 25 years of preaching to the unchurched.
2: <laughs> okay, so here's one. I mentioned, you know, I mentioned I've never been unchurched. And, you know, everybody talks about reaching the church by watching your language. Don't use church ease or whatever we say. Okay, I get that. And that's true. You got a bit, but it's much deeper than that. So first time we did this, 12 people sitting there. One of the questions was this, did the sermon <clears throat> encourage you to want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus? That's one of the questions. I had 12 people. You could say everything from yes, very much to sort of to not very much to not at all. I went around to every person. How did you answer that? All 12, you guys, all 12, not very much at all. This was the question. Did the sermon encourage you to want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus? All 12 of them chose the worst one, Not like not at all. I mean, if you're not challenged with your preaching when that happens. So then I said, okay, you guys, this is kind of the business I'm in help me out. So the discussion that followed was fascinating, but one struck me the most. was a girl. It was, I have a lot of coffee shop connections. Most of the unchurched people I've reached are people I've met in coffee shops. And these were two people that own a coffee shop and they're friends of mine. Anyway, she said, Rod, you said personal relationship with Jesus. That makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't even even want that i i can't even imagine what that i don't get that i don't i mean i remember her saying that she did she was unchurched she grew up in a catholic church but she stopped going when she was very young and i remember her that just her honestly saying i i just not only do i not understand that i'm not sure i want that and there were responses like that that i i was like i am out of touch (laughs) And I, you know, I could tell you, I mean, we had three of these sessions and uh, learned a lot, but that's one example. I just, that's just one.
0: That's so good. That's so good. It's, it takes a adequate, humble leader to do what you did, to sit there and listen to the, the, you know, helpful critiquing or criticizing, (laughs) but to know that our words as leaders and pastors or volunteers, if you're listening, our words carry weight and how we, present the gospel and our Christianese language, maybe to us, that's everyday language, but to the non-Christian or the pre-believer or the person who maybe has a prodigal son story, they're not really there to sit there and interpret what you're saying. They want to, they're there because they're hungry and they're seeking truth on some level. And This is not scripted, but I've always had this question for individuals who are so um, designed and focused, and the call of your church is to reach the unchurched people and to get them through the door to encounter Christ, to get them plugged into a godly community. Pastor Rod, Mm -hmm. how do you as a leader and as a pastor not forget the believer sitting in the seats and in the congregation who may feel um, overlooked or under challenged, or maybe doesn't know how to use their spiritual gifts when, and I'm not just saying this to you, this is several people who have this vision to reach people outside of our four walls. How do you keep the current congregation engaged in their personal walk, as well as following the vision that you have casted for almost 30 years?
2: Well, uh, it's, I'll tell you a recent story that I think will help. I, um it's really difficult, to be honest. On the one hand, it's kind of difficult. On the other hand, it's not. So here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the best preacher who ever, ever lived, Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus, what did he do? He told a lot of stories. <clears throat> and the people who had been listening to the religious people, or at least thought they knew they didn't really want to listen to those religious people, were listening to him. <clears throat> And they were like, I, I have never heard anyone teach like this. I've never heard anyone with such authority. What did he do? He told stories. Mm-hmm. He, he 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 gave these incredibly deep truths in a very simple way, if you will, but they were profound. Uh, so recently, recently, and I probably a lot of your listeners are, are part of churches, and because of what the last 12 months, I mean, we are we have had some sifting in our church. Mm -hmm. and we're we're losing some folks and in one in particular i think we're losing some folks because i haven't in my preaching been let's just call it i haven't been read enough in my preaching i haven't been political enough on this on that side i think it's one of the reasons and um and i think i won't talk about that because i think whatever pastors think they should do i'm fine with that i know where where i felt like the lord wanted us to go so I haven't, I have stayed more in the center and said, let's talk about the kingdom of God, you know, and, uh, and, but I was talking to a good friend of mine. I hope I'm okay. I'm talking to a good friend of mine. I was telling him about losing some of these folks. And I said, you know, I think, I think that I have some people that have been a part of our church for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I try to design my Preaching, whether I'm successful or not, I don't know. I'm sure trying to to have an unchurched person come in and hear it and be able to relate to it and go, huh, okay. Maybe I want to come back and hear this again. And so, but you know what? Talking to my friend, he said, I said, you know what? I think some of our people are like, I wish we could just have something more geared to a believer. You know, just give me something deeper and to a believer. And my friend, who is an athlete, said, you know what, Rod? Some people just, they just need to go to a home game. Hmm. I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah, it does. Some of our people have been at an away game for 30 years. Mm-hmm. For 30 years, they've been at an away game. And that's what I actually had called them to do. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to an away game every weekend. And if you want a home game, you're probably going to have to get that to a certain degree, maybe in some of our classes or Wednesday nights. Or, you know, but the weekend's going to be an away game. And, and I don't even blame people. I think sometimes they're like, I got to go to a home game. <laughs> is this relating? And I think so, so. And here's the last thing. I think that what I've just decided is I'm still going to keep doing this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do think, and I do think that even my preaching, you guys attend. So you guys, I think even my preaching does occasionally speak to the believer and cause mm-hmm. them to grow, even though I'm attempting to make that palatable, if you will, uh, to, to the unbeliever. So right
1: for sure. I, I love that. I love how you acknowledged the challenge of the tension that lies of deep and wide. And how, how do you format a message that's like you said, palatable to the unbeliever and challenging to the person who is on their journey. And, and then there is also a simplicity of the gospel that, um, it's, it's like easy enough and shallow enough for the beginner to walk in and it's deep enough for the experienced mm-hmm. swimmer, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the ocean, that there's waves that are out of control and beyond our deepest dreams or, mm-hmm. or wildest reach. And so I just think that one of the things that I, it stood out to me is almost looking at a business term of like leadership with focus mm-hmm. groups, mm-hmm. because it's one thing that you said to like, say, well, I'm the expert, I'm preaching the unchurched, but then to never talk to a person who's unchurched and, and ask them questions. So I love the local contextualized ministry that that was a demonstration of, of Egan Minnesota. I, and again, like Micah said, a secure leader to say, you know what, I'm gonna be <laughs> vulnerable. Mm-hmm. for a second as a leader. But I think that vulnerability is so valuable. Right. If you're wanting to find out not just what you think, or is on your heart or the Lord speaking to you, but is this resonating to the people that we're attempting to reach? Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, Pastor Rob, that stood out is unchurched people are all over the map. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like Jesus described these different types of soil and there's a lot of different types of soil out there. And sometimes people will really surprise you that jump on board that you would have said, I would have never guessed (laughs) that they'd even come to church. And now they're just like, all in. yeah. Yeah. And then some people that you're like, they're like the nicest person. They're basically behaving like a Christian and they're like, I want nothing to do with it. And so I think like this idea of where people's heart posture is or hunger level, or Jesus called it their soil, that's huge. But is there anything else that you would share, maybe for the person who is young, as a leader, who is trying to become better and more effective as a communicator, even specifically as it pertains to reaching the unchurched on their college campus, or the unchurched in their local community, or within the, the powerful vehicle of the local church
2: uh yeah you know so i'm just, so i'm going to talk about preaching first and then i'll just talk maybe just on the campus if it's if you're speaking in a you know chi Alpha meeting or whatever yes
1: exactly uh,
2: this is just a, a principle that back to my friend who's an athlete he's a great golfer and uh he turned he turned 55 about four years ago and he he could go on senior tour and he'd always wanted to go on the tour he's actually getting close to get on the senior tour but he's an excellent golfer but at 55 a great golfer he hired a coach she watched wow. him swing for about 45 minutes they had a meeting in the clubhouse she said his name's Chip Chip i i can i can help you <laughs> but you're going to have to change your swing and you're going to get worse before you get better. So he said, okay, help me change my swing. So here's the thing. The guy was a great golfer already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? I started preaching young and I I thought I was pretty good preacher. I I don't today. I think I won't talk about how good or bad I think I am. It doesn't matter. I just started early. I had some encouragement. I got, I cut to thinking I was a pretty good preacher. And you know what? 25 years later, I developed a swing and you do pretty good. You get, you get a pretty good score. Mm-hmm. You can stay there or you can go, you know what? I should hire a coach. And maybe my coaches there were like unchurched people. I should hire a coach because I got to change my swing. And, and if you, if you play pretty good, you can go the rest of your life. But so I think you we always got to consider changing our swing. Even me, like right now, I'm 64. I already mentioned like three times. Okay, so I want to change my swing again. I Right now, I want to change my swing again because things are changing so fast. And so, and I think to, to younger leaders, I'd say be open to always doing that. I'd also say, you know, one of the things we found, that I found, and it's still true today, and especially with young adults, everybody knows this, but I'm just going to say, in the research, when, in response to people to my preaching, one of the things that emerged is that they respond well to authenticity. Authenticity—you can't fake that—and and kids pick it up. Young young adults especially pick right. it up. Yep. And and so it, there's this like this fake authenticity that they can also pick up on. You just got to be real. And if they sense you're real and you don't have another motive and you're not trying to manipulate them and you're not trying to hype something that you have an audience immediately with young adults today. And of course, now we're talking millennials to Gen Z because Gen Z is our new young adults. I mean, that higher end there is exactly trying to reach. So those are a couple of thoughts on that.
0: Great. Thank you for going there. And Pastor Rod, we are ready for you to be real and authentic with us because okay. we've reached one of our favorite parts of the conversation, more or less. So we have our final thoughts. It's called five and five. Yeah. So five questions in five minutes. Do you think you're up for the challenge? Yes. Yes. Okay. You ready? Question number one. If you could describe your soul right now in this season, what three words would you use to describe
2: it? Okay. Uh, Right now, in this moment, there are three words. They all start with R. Repentance, reimagine, reset.
0: Awesome.
1: I like that. When you said reimagine, I thought of like Disney and Pixar and just the ability to visually reimagine future. It's powerful. How about, I know you're a reader. Every time I talk to you, you're reading a different book, you're studying God's word, um, Mm -hmm. and words mean something to you. I know they do. Are there any words that you hold closely to your heart? It could be a quote, scripture, anything. Are there words that you live by, Pastor Rod?
2: You mentioned books. Uh, my favorite book lately is by Jerry Seinfeld, Is This Anything? But anyway, um, I would say the word right now is grace. I'll just leave it at that. My mom's name was she passed away, Gracie. I think grace is one of the best, greatest words.
0: That's wonderful. All right. And question number three, we know that you are a huge sports fanatic. For those of you who know him, that's probably not very true. But <laughs> here is a curveball for you, Pastor. Oh Ron. boy!
2: It wasn't in the notes.
0: It wasn't in the notes. <laughs> oh boy if you could ask us one question today what would you ask us
2: if i could ask you two one question yeah Yeah. this keeps us on our toes how's parenthood how's how you getting along with that beautiful little girl want
1: to go yeah daddy powers are activating i love her aurora our daughter she's like nine months old tomorrow at the time Mm -hmm. of recording this episode she's a sweetheart she has seven teeth that have popped through she's standing she she has emotions she she and i are buddies i say this thing i go buddy and i hold out my pointer finger and she raises her pointer finger and we touch like et phone home (laughs) she waves at me i say things like
0: daddy's home
1: and she she smiles she giggles I asked my guy I was like who makes her laugh more than anyone and if you've seen
0: his dance moves you would laugh too so
1: <laughs> so <laughs> she
0: lost it she got the hiccup. she was laughing so hard <laughs>
1: so I love her so much it's really a privilege and a joy to be her dad
0: yeah. I think parenting has been a significant just shift in like prioritizing who are we, who are we in ministry? Who are we in marriage? Who are we now as a family? And it's been a beautiful journey. It's been challenging at times. I think COVID for us, I think was a, a beautiful season in disguise to understand, you know, how important it is for us to be, you know, solely rooted in Christ as individuals. And I say this every time somebody asks, but <clears throat> doc, or what's your name? Lorelai, Pastor Lorelai would say this. She's like, if you want to, if you want to be, learn how to be selfless, selfless, get married. If you want to be more like Christ, have children. Um, And I think that's what we're learning is how to be more like Christ, extending grace to each other, extending, you know, all those different things to each other. So parenthood has been amazing with her. She loves to play, giggle, laugh. Oh my gosh. I think she, She just got over the Roseola, whatever that is. Rose O'Donnell's disease. That's what he calls it. You can never remember the name. I think she cried more in the one day than she has her whole life because of a fever and just her rash and everything. So she's a sweetheart, though. She is a go-getter. I think she's very tenacious, if I could describe her, and adventurous.
1: (laughs) I I was listening to Andy Stanley share about parenting in the 21st century and parenting in a pandemic, and he said that he just described, like, he's like, well, here's the goal of parenting, to get your child from the car seat to the driver's seat. And I had this flashback of not knowing how to put the the car seat in the car, and they send us home from the hospital, and they won't touch our car because... It's the very beginning of the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! I don't, I'm YouTubing this. I don't know how to get the car seat in. Yeah. She came a couple weeks early, and I'm like, I don't know how to drive as a parent. And so, all the emotions are very real. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my word! You know what? I really enjoyed hearing you two talk about. That. <laughs> I really. If there
0: is if there's any moment of panic. I'm the calm, cool, collected one. He's the frantic one. Just so everybody knows, who do you want there? <laughs> so I will alert you that something's wrong. I will walk you through the process and help you survive. <laughs> We're
1: a good team. We're a good team.
2: Oh She's a great gosh. teammate.
1: Um, but past, back, back to you, Pastor Rob, would yeah. you maybe be willing to share about any mistake that you feel like you've made in life, ministry, leadership, and maybe what God taught you through the process?
2: Yeah, of course, you know, so many mistakes, hard to pick one. Uh, I just thought I'd get it into one thing, one mistake that we all tend to make, and that is uh, comparison. And so I think that I would, I would, here's the thing. Don't make the mistake of comparing all the time, just complete what God has called you to do. And we have a, we have a verse that we have at Oak Hill's church, Philippians one, six. Uh, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And so uh, that is a mistake I think we all make. So I would say, don't make that mistake. Quick yeah. comparison.
0: That's, wow. great. That's great. Yeah. All right, the last and final thought we have for you. Question number five, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young, a young adult ministry leaders one thing what would you leave them with today?
2: I would quote uh, one of our most brilliant theologians in recent history. Um, he recently died. His name, maybe you're familiar with it. Fred Fred Rogers. Oh. Yes. America's Children's Faster. Wow. <laughs> there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way, is to be kind. The third way is to be kind.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I Ad to add that means something to me significant in our world today, because everyone needs kindness. Everyone let Mm -hmm. the word you mentioned before, grace, everyone needs grace. We ourselves are so undeserving of grace and we've been given it freely Mm -hmm. and we were, in no way deserving of kindness. And yet it's Mm -hmm. been displayed to us. And if you look at it, Jesus said that people are going to know outsiders are going to know that you are my disciples. You follow me, you know, me in the way that you love each other, treat each other with kindness. And man, you talk about a fruit of the spirit that maybe gets brushed to the side or overlooked too much. Thank you for your kindness to us in so many ways, um, for the kindness to the listener today for tuning in, mm-hmm. and just for a great conversation today, Pastor Rod.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks.
1: And guys, once again, if you can find out more about Pastor Rod Carlson, Oak Hills Church, and we will link to the Luther Seminary website that has his um, essay on preaching effectively. To the Unchurch. if that's something you'd like to read more about when you connect with us on our show notes and website at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Michael Tenningly. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.